This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Aha! And And good morning. Good morning to you. For those of you who do not have uh, a a viewing device here to watch us here as we broadcast uh, on The uh, Garden Show. Live and direct. I'm I'm delivering a $10 bill to Charlie... (laughs) Wow! Thank right you. There, there you go. Thank you. And that's for that's on camera. That's for <laughs> we have witnesses. <laughs> okay. Just before we hit the airwaves, Charlie showed me what she has been working on mm-hmm. to aid her little uh, feral cat that she's adopted. Well, he adopted Mr. us. It's yeah. kind of a co-adoption. Yeah. This is a number of years ago. Okay. We named him Mr. Kitty because he was so obviously a boy, an un- yeah. unneutered boy, and uh, slowly but surely he. Just started to trust us and yeah. you know slowly but surely he would stay in the backyard if we were back there yeah um but you know winter came and i built him a little house and he spent three winters outside i, I eventually my son got a little electric heated house yeah. so you know that went on a number of years he got more and more comfortable with us but then when it got really cold he started coming in a bit uh-huh slowly but surely more and more comfortable our cat kind of adopted him he kind of adopted our cat as well so yeah he's he's been a, a real project this this mr king but he's not in the best of health he is not oh, no. he's lived lived on the lamb for too many years so yeah. um he we did have him neutered he did develop diabetes so i give him insulin twice a day oh, but his teeth God. are rotting Oh boy. So we started a GoFundMe uh, page to try yeah. and raise some money to try and get his teeth fixed. Because <laughs> it's so expensive. Uh, oh, pet, sur- pet dental work. Because yeah. it's, you know, not only the vet who yeah. is going to be the yeah. surgeon, the dental surgeon, but then you've got a second anesthetist available on hand. Yeah. So it's quite a big deal to do that, any kind of mouth work on, on animals. So how with, can folks find Well, so find with my daughter's own. help, yeah. we, we did uh, launch this page. So it's under GoFundMe.com. Okay. And you search. And just search for Mr. Kitty, spelled right out as M-I-S-T-E-R, Mr. Kitty, K-I-T-T-Y. And you'll see him. He's an orange cat. He's a real sweetheart. Um, and, you know, we love him to death, but uh, he's not in good health with the teeth rotting away. And, and, and as you say, it can be damned expensive. Oh, I mean, you can, well, we're hoping to raise... You can only be so kind so long. That's right. Know. I mean, yeah, exactly. Putting yeah. out for, for neutering and for insulin yeah. twice a day is, is enough. So thank you for the donation. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, add that to the pot. <laughs> and, uh, and happy for any any donations that's, anybody can make. So that's true. appreciate it. Thanks, Frank. Okay. And I should have mentioned right off the top, this is the garden Go, show. But, you know, pets and gardens do yeah, go together. That's right. We know that. That's right. Okay. And my job here as the sous chef of the garden is to give out the phone numbers, which I better do right now. Yep. In Toronto, call 416-360-0740. Anywhere else in the province, toll free 1-866-740-4740. And if you happen to be a first-time caller, please let Sebastian know, because uh, he will let us advise know. me, and that and little ringing in the bell will welcome you. And give you your garden wings. You got it. Okay. And, um, and the mantra? Oh, yeah. Call early, call often. One question per call. Because sometimes people are shy, and they wait till yeah, the end yeah. of the show, That's right. and then we don't get you on. So if you, let's, let's 
keep those calls coming because we'd love to hear what's going on. Tips, tricks, questions. Yeah. We're, I want, we're good I want for a tip it. about uh, talking to the weatherman and getting <laughs> up those temps. I know, and I want to get my beautiful. students outside. I've got okay. I'm teaching soil science, and uh-huh. of course, the students want to get out there and get in the dirt. Yeah. We've been playing with a lot of soil in the lab, but I want to get out there and, and do some digging. And I was, you know, like you're saying, it's spring, it's spring. I'm planning to get them outside, but we'll see what happens this week. A if big, it's all frozen solid, we can't do anything. A big shout out before we do anything else yes. to Stanley. Oh, definitely. A gentleman who is waiting uh, patiently. patiently at that front door Big with surprise. some wonderful flowers for both of us. Yeah, a wow. couple of pots of tulips and a couple of pots of blooming hyacinths. So thank you, Stanley. You're such a sweetheart, and what a beautiful surprise on the first Saturday of spring. You got it. Okay. Uh, we're up to our first break, which we'll take here as we broadcast live and direct from the Zoomerplex in Liberty Village on this beautiful-looking Saturday <laughs> morning. Uh, and we'll be back to say hi to Jerry, who's calling in from Waterford next here on The Garden Show. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And the sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor here. Jerry in Waterford, welcome to the show. <laughs> Good morning, Charlie. Good morning, Frank. Good morning. I have a uh, hedge, a cedar hedge across the back of my property that is now coming up to being four years planted. Mm-hmm. And I would like to know when um, is the appropriate time to trim it, because this year I want to give it a haircut. Mm. I don't want it to get mm-hmm. too tall. Smart. Smart. Don't leave anything too long. Mm-hmm. So certainly it's it's time. This is the year to get shearing, because you want it to be nice and full and dense. And, you know, the reason we usually put in a cedar hedge is for privacy, and it also provides wonderful shelter for wildlife, birds, mm-hmm. etc., on cold winter days. So um, the time to be shearing it is when it is actively growing. Hard to say when that's going to be, when it's still minus six outside, yeah. but usually, <laughs> usually it's, um, um, late May or might even be where you are, yeah, middle of mm-hmm. June. So you're going to see the new growth, that new flush of growth. It's going to be a bright green tips are going to start showing up. And that's the time to get out the long handled shears. And remember when you do the trimming, you might want to take some off the top. I'm sure you're going to want to take some off the sides. Yes, but I at do. the end of the day, it should be wider at the bottom than it is at the top. Wider at the bottom than at the top. That's okay. Right. Yeah. So just and you prefer the the hand shears over an electric. Um... I do. I do. Just because. Okay. Well, you know why? Because hand shears make a clean cut. Okay. The, the electric shears, um, they kind of choose through. Oh, I see. And you end up with some really ragged cuts, pruning cuts, and of Got course they they do not heal well. So sometimes if it's a huge little big hedge, it's more efficient to just kind of zing down with the um with the hedge trimmer, but then go back with your hand pruner and do some cleaning up of any any ragged cuts. No, this is a young, a young hedge, so I will go at it with the hand shears. Yeah, I would. And, and you want the long-handled ones. Mm-hmm. You, know, the, you don't want to go in there with your little short pruners. And is it, <laughs> no. most, most hardware stores or gardens, do they provide I, sharpening I services? I have them. I have them. You know, do I'm good. Okay. good. And yeah, sharp is important, too. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You know what? Yeah, I sharpen my own. But, but you can. You can get them sharpened. There are like sharpening, like small engine shops that sharpen yeah. lawnmower blades, etc. What do you skates? sharpen them with when you sharpen them? You 
yourself, Charlie? Uh, well, I have a I have a steel that I use. I used to use a stone, but the stone wore out. <laughs> so, <laughs> so because they do, you know, they yeah. do wear out. So I got a steel, and I got it from Lee Valley Tools. It's, okay. a, it's a cool little tool. It just kind of all folds up and small little yeah. package, but unfold it, and then yeah, you just run it down the beveled side of the the, the blade. Very good. Excellent. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. Have a great day, both thank of you. Oh, you. Thank too. you, you Thanks much, for Jerry. calling. Appreciate that. Let's uh, take a little drive to Hamilton, huh? Sure. On the QEW. There we are. And there's Betty. <laughs> That's a first time caller, by the way. Wait a minute. Oh, yes. Good morning. How are well, you? Welcome you to the show. <laughs> thank you. Um, you mentioned last week there was a product to deter squirrels or, mm. or animals. Small critters. Right. And <laughs> my son has an issue. Mm. Um, they're, they're chewing the wood on his deck, and he's tried everything um, to deter them, but they're very determined. Wow, and what's, I wonder who's doing that. Maybe skunks? I don't know. He seems... Do you think it's skunks? Well, who else chews wood? Um, well, what does he think it is? Pardon me? Who, what does he think is doing the chewing? Well, he thought it was squirrels. Could hmm. be. And it's chewing for sure. It's not like um, like a woodpecker or something. No, he says it's um, chewing for sure. <laughs> well, is that wild? That's huh. pretty. Yeah, well, could, any of those things. But th- you know what I would recommend? Um, and I did mention it last week. It is a repellent. It was designed to repel elk in, you know, Finland or some someplace. Right. It is a, a repellent of deer, rabbits, voles, and all kinds of small critters. Completely organic. Effective for up to six months. Mm-hmm. It is called plant skid. So it's the word plant, P-L-A-N-T. Mm-hmm. And then S as in Sam. Mm-hmm. K as in kite, Y as in yellow, and then two Ds, D as in dog, D as in dog. So plant skid. And it's available at a garden center. It is. It is. I've seen it uh, available at Terra Greenhouses, and you're in the Hamilton area, so for sure they have it. Mm-hmm. But I think you may even find it at a, you know, at a Home Depot or Canadian Tire. And you think it might be woodpeckers? I have seen woodpeckers. Now, it's the big ones. It's those pylonidal, or not, whatever they're called. Um, peleated. Peleated, thank you. Um, woodpeckers who, uh, they will um, destroy wooden window frames. Wow. Yeah, I, yeah. I know that she, um, my daughter-in-law tends to feed the birds and, and uh, uh, so mm. forth, because they have uh, red cardinals right now that mm. um, she's feeding, mm. and they will uh, actually dive into the window. I know. Mm. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. uh, you know what's nice there is get uh, little decals for the window. Um, they don't have to be deck. You know, you can, you can do the hawk decal, and then yeah. the birds won't fly into the window. But all I got was um, it's actually spider webs. It's a spider web decal, and the birds don't want to fly into the spider web, so they they veer off at the oh. last second. So, <laughs> I think they're mad because they want to be fed. Well, they did. Yeah, there's that, but they also don't recognize it's a window. Like yeah. they don't. Yeah. They, they just right. think it's another bird. That's so right. they it's, and you hate that banging into the window, and then. There are you know, feathers all over the place, and they couldn't really hurt themselves, yeah. too. Exactly. So, well, you know, I just, woodpecker came to mind because I know woodpeckers will go after um, wood if mm-hmm. they somehow believe there's something alive in that wood. They'll go after it. But, uh, but do try. Try this plant skid or get your son to try it and see how it works out. Let us know. Well, thank you very much. I certainly will. Thank Thanks, you. Betty. Bye-bye now. Bye. Don't be a stranger. You Doors know are always open here. You know it. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Okay, um, you know, when we come back, maybe I'd like to mention uh, something special that happened. I know. Earlier this week, it uh, turned out to be quite a success. Excellent. We'll you are that. such a good planner. Oh, I tell you. Anyway, we'll get back uh, with the details on that little surprise. surprise yeah. In just a Literally. couple of Literally. Literally, <laughs> yeah. Here we are, uh, The Garden Show, Zoomer Radio with Charlie Dobbin. Uh, behind the mic and behind all the great advice, too. 
Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, Forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And uh, to our listener in Holderman County, is that Anne with an E? <laughs> That's right, Anne hey, with an E. Good stuff. Welcome to the show. Thank you. What's going on? I'm calling to say I'd like to plant some more evergreens, but I want something that's going to last really well, long-lived, mm. and what'll survive in the horrible Haldeman clay. <laughs> <laughs> well, what evergreens have you got growing there now? I have Austrian pines, but they're kind of no, gradually no. going. Yeah, and I told you once lived. before about them, wondering if maybe the fertilizers from the farms around us was doing it. You didn't think so. You thought we just they had lived their lifespan. Yeah, they are a short-lived plant, and they are susceptible to many diseases. So don't be planting any more Austrian pines. Right. Um, right. So, so you're looking for tall, like they the grow like a big tall pine? I'm very open because I have lots of room here. I have uh, one and a half acres. Mm, nice. So, and, and of course, evergreens are so perfect if you've got uh, a side of your yard that's on the northwest side of your home to, now you don't do any planting close to the home, but blocking that northwest wind in the winter oh, is an yeah. excellent way to save on heating costs. I'm working on it. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and you know what comes to my mind? Fast growing, long lived Norway spruce. Norway spruce? Yeah, fast-growing, long-lived, and tall. Of course, oh. everybody loves the Colorado blue spruce. Yeah, which, I know. You know gives you that, it's not as fast-growing as the Norway. Um, right. But the spruces will, will do reasonably well in a clay soil. Okay. A, a native now, evergreen would be a hemlock, and hemlocks are pretty amenable. They don't like being in super wet spots, so if you've got... They'll handle the clay. They just want to sit in a soggy spot, but hemlock is a native plant, lovely, and Again, soft, needled, gets very tall, um, and can be pruned, etc., to make it more dense. If it's not, you know, at first, if it's all a bit open and you want to make it a more dense plant, you can do shearing on, on hemlocks, no problem. Okay, that sounds good, because I have no shelter from the wind in any direction, because the farms around me are all set back from the road, so mm-hmm. I'm like an island. Right. No matter which way the wind comes from, I get it. Right, so, right. That, yeah. so that you, it's absolutely a great idea for you. You're a perfect candidate for getting whatever number, two, three, four, five evergreens. They don't have to be big now. You can get them, you know, meter tall if you want, affordable price. Make okay. sure you're planting them well away from the house. Because mm-hmm. ultimately, these plants are going to be 40 feet tall and 20 feet wide. So recognize Good. they have to be planted far from each other as well. So they'll grow up as a clump, as a stand of evergreens along that sort of northwest quadrant, because that's your prevailing wind, and that's the cold wind in the winter. On the south side of your house, on the other hand, if you can get yourself a nice deciduous tree, like a, a sugar maple, a, a ginkgo, a, I love my katsura tree, something that's going to grow up quite quickly and give you shade in the summer, again, mm-hmm. keeping your home cooler by shading it in the summer, but then the leaves drop in the fall and the sun gets through in the winter, so you've got the warm sun in the winter, warming your house, but you've got the cool shade in the summer, cooling your house. So the south side of the house, deciduous, northwest side, evergreen. Now, on the south side of my property, 
<clears throat> I have the septic tank and the weeping tile. Right. So you have you know where that is, and you have to stay. Yeah. No trees go on top of, obviously. Though you can go just beyond the weeping tile, typically with trees. You just don't plant over top of the tile. Um, so the roots won't stretch out to the weeping tile. Um, they will, but what's coming out of the weeping tile is supposed to be water, so um, they're just going to take the water. You know, it's not, you just don't want them, you know, don't be planting willow or, or poplar or something like that. that well, yeah, are, I knew not, yeah. not to do that yeah. living in the north. Yeah, so that just because the roots are so vigorous that they will end up climbing, you know, growing right mm-hmm. into the tile. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'd have to double check exactly what the rules are on distance from edge of tile to trees. But as far as I know, generally speaking, as long as you're not on the tile, you're fine. You're just outside beyond. Hey, uh, this is great. I uh, won't start planting next week, but maybe yeah. the week after. <laughs> Fingers crossed. I'm hoping for the same, that we're all yeah. thawed and ready to go. Laughing out loud. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks all right, for Anne. calling. Thank you very much. <laughs> Charlie, we're going to take a little trip to Oshawa right now. And there's Philip. Good morning, Philip. Welcome to the show. Hi there. Yeah, you had a lady on with cedars. I yep. have a really quick tip. Yeah. Um, years ago, a neighbor bought a... Uh, horticultural, you know, emerald cedars, Mm -hmm. and I have a great big hedge of uh, eastern white cedars. Well, his started to turn brown, Mm -hmm. and then mine started to, Mm -hmm. and then I found out it was eastern white cedar borers Mm -hmm. in the leaves, and I went to a garden center, and they had some experts there that day. They said this, you can't buy anything now. Mm -hmm. Anyhow, what I found is if you, about June the 20th here, Mm -hmm. uh, the little moths come out. Right. If you spend a week spraying your cedars with soapy water to kill the moths, you can wipe them out. Right, and it's it's you know it's not very it's easy to do, not that harmful, mm-hmm. and it could, because they seem to be spreading everywhere. So anyhow, just to tip the That's... lady that had the cedars, they often look ratty because they have if you. Open up the leaves, uh, you'll see the tiny little caterpillars inside the leaves. And you'll see tunnels. If you don't see the little yeah. larvae, you'll see that the stem, but it's in the tips, like you said. Yeah, where you pull off the little brown piece. You yeah. Know, you see a little, and, but anyhow, it, it's, I found it really effective. It, all the cedars recovered. That's great. Yeah. And the soap works for sure. And you were obviously spraying yeah, just, just the soap. adults. I just use, you know, any old palm olive or whatever, oh, just soap. Really? In a, in a hose end spray. Right. Right. Yeah, and you got to have thorough coverage of the insect. Would you suggest safer soap? Is yeah, that, uh, so a soap is better than a detergent, <laughs> technically, to kill the insects. But that, the main thing is you kept them from laying You know laying what? Eggs. It works fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I've you. got like 120 feet of cedars. Yeah, that well, good, good, good tip. Okie dokie. Thanks, Thanks for calling. Phil. I hope Pat is listening. Right. But you know what? Just I flashed on this. You handed me $10. And I yeah. flashed that I had received some money in the mail. On behalf of Mist or Mr. Kitty and his needs, his, mm-hmm. his health requirements. So as I mentioned earlier, we do have a GoFundMe, uh, set up now campaign under the name Mr. Kitty, M-I-S-T-E-R Kitty, uh, out of Richmond Hill. But, um, I, I received this letter and I never actually responded or thanked. It's, uh, Dorothy Beaver sent this letter from Welland, Ontario a year ago. I mean, this is from last this March. This has been in the bottom of your purse for a year. Well, my bad. <laughs> I have a lot of stuff in that bag, but I remember it was there. So the letter starts, good morning, Charlie and Frank. We do so look forward to Saturday mornings to listen to the garden show, sometimes over breakfast, sometimes in a parking lot, waiting for your response to some very interesting questions. I now have a few of my own. So this is Mm -hmm. the old take advantage of the opportunity that is you're not stuck on one question when you, when you write the letters. Number one, are there any benefits?
benefits saving water from the dehumidifier um, all summer long? If so, would you suggest that we pour that water onto our fruit trees or the flowers or the vegetable garden? And the answer is absolutely yes. Yeah, great Absolutely. Question. It's a great place to get water from. I mean, why dump it down the drain? Mm-hmm. There is nothing wrong with it. It's, it's perfect water. It's better, actually, than tap water. It's got no you know, additives at all. So for sure, save your de- dehumidifier water, pour it out on the garden wherever there's a plant in need of watering. Mm-hmm. I used to, When I had an aquarium, I used to do that, too. I would, you know, you change, you're always kind of constantly changing up aquarium right, water. Yeah. Excellent water to go out onto the garden. Question number two. Where would you suggest sprinkling stale boxes of baking soda from inside the fridges and freezers? Right? Because you know how we, yeah. we put baking soda to okay. absorb odors, yep. and then, you know, a month later or two months later, we change it up. Um, baking soda is not going to do any harm in the garden. Typically, people will use baking soda as a way to try and prevent fungal diseases. But, but you know what's interesting? Because then the third question, and maybe this relates in a sense, number three question is, my grandson loves to poke mushrooms from our front lawn. Is this airborne powder harmful, which are the spores, right? Yeah. Little mm-hmm. poof of spores, m- microscopic. And why do we have them? They are very messy and unattractive. Put your baking powder on your, on your, get your grandson after he's knocked those. So the way it works, fungus mushrooms, as we know yep. them, grows on dead stuff. So some, somewhere under your lawn, there's something dead. Likely you had a tree, the tree died. Log under there you or took the tree. Yeah. No, there's probably roots. Yep. There's roots oh. under there from a yep. tree that was taken down at some point, And those roots are slowly but surely decomposing. The slow process is being done by fungus. So. What a fungus does is it pokes up those little little um, to- toadstools, you know, yeah, the little yeah. things that poke up above ground, strictly for the purposes of dispersing spores to grow more mushrooms. Mm-hmm. Underground is what's really going on, and that's hypha. That's a little thread-like white um, mycelium that are that are actually decomposing whatever's yeah. down there. So if, if you want to try and eliminate those, those ugly toadstools coming up, get that grandson out there. My son used to do this with a golf club. He, you go early in the morning before they open. Because when they come up, they're closed. As the sun rises and day starts, they open and disperse the spores. So try and get them knocked down early before they open. If your grandson's willing, get yeah. them to actually pick them up and, you know, throw them in the bush or put them in the, you know, the garbage, whatever. And then sprinkle some of that baking soda right where those toadstools were. And that will slow down them growing above ground otherwise don't worry about it there's nothing you can do eventually the fungus will get done decomposing whatever it's decomposing and uh, they'll stop growing up above the ground okay Uh, looking at our monitor here I see that Anne is waiting oops I'm sorry I just realized I didn't quite finish that oh sorry yeah sorry 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 I know I'm rambling on here but Dorothy did in this letter enclose five dollars towards men so I just want to say big thank you you started the fund and now hopefully we will We'll carry on with the fund and get his teeth fixed. You got it. Okay. Now, back to that caller online. Yes. And good morning from Toronto, hey. just around the corner maybe. Hi. 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 Good morning. Um, you know, I have the same problem. I have three feral cats. Oh, my, yeah. And one of them needs a teeth, too. But, uh, yeah, but what do you do? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh. Um, by the way, um, okay, the reason I'm calling is um, I wonder about why... All the companies have changed their uh, formulations for fertilizer. I find it extremely confusing, very inconsistent. 
because um, it used to be so simple. I used to use twenty twenty twenty, and everything grew like crazy. Mm. And now you have to buy it for this particular, <laughs> and and they're not even consistent. I know. Because I know one company. I went to Home Depot last year, and they showed me this formulation for vegetables mm-hmm. um, that was in a powder form, but you have to dissolve it. Mm-hmm. And then they showed me one that was liquid form for tomatoes, mm-hmm. and it was a totally different number combination. Right. Made by two different companies, likely. No, same oh. company. Oh, my. Huh. Exact same company, <clears throat> four okay. tomatoes, yeah. totally different formulations. Okay, so you know why they're doing that. They want you, the hobby gardener, to believe that you need to have a special fertilizer for every single plant that you own. And and it works to some extent. So you'll have tomato food. You'll have yeah. clematis food. You'll have <clears throat> every green food. You'll have petunia food. I mean, they, 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 African violet food. They want you to own you know, 400 different packages of fertilizer. Yeah. What I teach my students <clears throat> and and the 2020-20 is out there. It just might not be under the numbers 20. Because 2020-20 is exactly the same as 10-10-10 which right. is exactly the same as 7-7-7. Huh. So it's just, it's a Purely, totally balanced fertilizer. Yeah. So if you get a hold of something like that, you're good to go if, if that's what you prefer. You like that totally balanced fertilizer. Yeah. What I tell my students is the, those three numbers represent nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. Mm-hmm. So NPK are what those three numbers are representing. So when it's a 20-20-20, it means that you're ba- you've got a balanced fertilizer. You're giving the same quantity of nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium at, at one time to all your plants when you're fertilizing. However, <clears throat> that's not my favorite way to do it. It depends what I'm growing. If I'm growing something that I want to flower, so that could be my petunias, it could be my clematis, and it could be my tomatoes, because I want mm-hmm. my tomatoes to flower too, I will use a flowering plant fertilizer. And all a flowering plant fertilizer is is a fertilizer with a slightly higher middle number. So it could be 10, 15, 10. It could be 15, 30, 15. It could be, you know, some, anything where there's a, that middle number is just a little bit higher than the nitrogen and potassium on either side of the phosphorus. Um, if we are feeding uh, the lawn or evergreens, then we want to put a little more nitrogen. That's the first number. So uh, like ever, cedar feeder, I think is something like 30, 10, 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, lawn foods are usually things like 21, 7, 7. So again, bigger nitrogen, because we're wanting to encourage green growth. Um, and, and the easy way to remember what those NPK even grow, like what they encourage to grow, is remember that nitrogen is for above ground or the, mm-hmm. the, the, the green growth above ground. Phosphorus is for flowering and root, uh, encouraging rooting. And potassium is for all-round health. So just remember up, down, all around, and that will tell you nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, so up, down, all around. You're in the store, you're not sure which one to buy, don't ask anybody, just say to yourself, what is it I'm trying to encourage? And then buy the fertilizer that will encourage that. I want up growth, I want down growth, or I want all around growth, health. I figured it was like a, a, a um, some kind of marketing gimmick, you know, and, it I, is. and I was really yeah. annoyed. <laughs> yeah, I, I find it very annoying too. And who's got enough room in their garage for all that? Oh yeah. I mean, they don't go bad. Remember, fertilizer never goes bad as long as you keep it dry uh, or you know un, mm-hmm. un, un, unadulterated, so to speak. Keep you know, if it's powder, for example, keep it dry. It does not go bad. There's no stale date on fertilizer. So I've got fertilizers I've had for years and years, and mm-hmm. I just work away at them. There okay. You go. Yeah, that's great. Thanks so much. Thanks, okay, Ann. Bye-bye. Appreciate the call. Pardon me. Thank you for joining us. And with that, I look and I see, hey, we've got a first-time caller waiting nice. on the line. Just a minute. 
That's for Douglas in Oakville. Welcome to the show, Douglas. Hi. Hi, welcome. Okay. Um, my question is with uh, uh, regarding fruit trees. Mm-hmm. When I purchased my house here in Oakville, uh, I've been here 25 years, and I believe the person planted the tree. Uh, this is a pear tree a long time ago, and I used to get lots and lots of pears. Mm-hmm. And the last two, three years, it's gone kind of dormant. There's no pears anymore. Mm-hmm. So do, do those trees have like a life expectancy that after, say, 25 years, they don't... Uh, they won't produce uh, fruit anymore? No, pears, pears have a longer than 25-year life yeah. expectancy. But let's just go back a bit. Does this pear flower in the spring? Do you get- yeah, Well, they, they, they do blossom. Okay. So, so maybe what's going on is there was another pear in the neighborhood that you were getting some cross-pollination from. Because yeah. yeah. they will not pollinate themselves. Pears and apples prefer... Yeah. Pollen from elsewhere. Well, I have an apple tree now. It's a dwarf apple tree, but it's 40 feet high. Wow. <laughs> oh, wow. Something happened there. <laughs> a dwarf. <laughs> Some no, dwarf. When I bought it, when I bought it, the, uh, the actual uh, tree was the size of a cigar. Mm-hmm. Now it's about the size of a, a gallon of paint in diameter. Wow. It's, it's, it's massive. Wow. 25 years. And uh, it, it gets apples every once in a while, yeah. but they have to be crying. And I have two plum trees, Italian plum, the other one. Yeah. And they've kind of, I think they've killed each other because, you know, you know the fungus they get in those plum oh, trees? Oh, the black knot. Yeah. 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 And then you cut one off and then it drips onto the other one. Yeah, you don't want to do that. Yeah, then, I know you're right. And then they're pretty, I think they're pretty well dead now. They could but you be. Wouldn't, you wouldn't kill the pear tree? No, well, I mean, so, okay, many people fall in love with the idea of fruit trees because they have this vision of just stepping out in the morning with their bushel basket and yeah. filling the basket full of fresh fruit from the backyard. And it's not that easy. Fruit trees are, do take a fair amount of maintenance. So they, well, I don't spray it or anything. Well, there is I, dorm. See, I would be spraying with dormant spray, my fruit trees, yeah. every spring while they're still dormant yeah. uh, in an effort to prevent problems. Yeah. The black knots that, that's killed your plums, I would probably yeah. take the plums out. Out because yeah. that is continuing. It's a fungal disease. It's continuing to spread I know. I, the I spores. I on that, and it's uh, uh, when they were first bo- uh, first put in there, they were fantastic. But then yeah. they get that fungal disease, and I don't know how. But so in the pear tree, um, the pear tree I, again has it been pruned at all over the years? Or no, it's a very small tree. I don't prune it, oh, okay. but I. What I do is I have uh, I have uh, that uh, landscaping stuff around about four feet in diameter, okay. and then I I break the soil so the water can get down to the roots. Okay, good. And so the landscaping, like the fabric, is around yeah, the base. Yeah. Okay, so that's fine. And do you have mulch on top of the fabric, or? So uh, give it one more chance. Uh, well, I would. I and I and I would certainly consider like if you really want to try and get fruit off this tree, consider calling an arborist yeah. to come onto your property. A certified arborist will make give you a quote on what it would cost to remove the plums and and do some proper pruning on the pear and the apple. And the sooner you do it, the better, because we do all our pruning in late winter well, on the fruit trees. Well, our, the plum trees are about maybe say forty feet away. Do you think they uh, could be? Uh, uh, no. Giving up uh, spores to the pear tree and hurting it? No. No, Not because really. that that's a very species specific disease. But it the the plum uh, it could be sharing those spores with cherries because they're the same genus. So that's the yeah. problem. And other plums. So yeah. I would eliminate. I try and get rid of the plums if you can. Yeah. Um, but the pr- proper pruning can open up the tree, open up the canopy, gets better light penetration, better yeah. uh, air, etc. Yeah. Healthier tree, and yeah. and you might just get some yeah. flowering well, and this, fruiting. Well, this uh, pear tree is actually like in the middle of the yard. It's got all kinds of air and all kinds of sun. Okay, good. You know, wow. It's not like uh, against the wall like yeah. my apple. 
apple tree. Yeah, good. It's 40 feet high. Unbelievable. <laughs> 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 Something <laughs> happened with that. You know they're grafted, right, yeah. apples? I, I bet you the graft got lost. I, I have to use a 14-foot ladder <laughs> and then the big thing to trim it. And my neighbor gets more apples off it on his side. Because <laughs> I, I put it back about 12 feet from the fence. Right. Said, well, that should be enough. That's great. And he, <laughs> For a dwarf, yeah. He's got half the apples on his side. <laughs> so it's, I said, I, I can't believe that. A dwarf apple tree that's 40 apple feet high. Apple cider city in wow. Oakville. <laughs> that's great. I that's love it. Great. What a great call, Douglas. Yeah, thanks for joining I us. Don't give up. I wouldn't yeah. give up. I'd keep uh, fingers crossed and do what you can to get so that the pear, pear tree, tree happy. Just on the pear tree alone, can you just trim off a few inches off the branches at the end? The little the little feeders? Gen- yeah, gen- no, generally not. We don't just tip. If you take the tips off, you're going to make a very bushy plant, and you don't really yeah. want a bushy plant. It's a real structural thing that really needs to kind of look at each of the branches. Yeah. And some are, if you look now, you should see flower buds, uh, just the buds, uh, on your fruit trees. Maybe an arborist. Yeah, they should be starting pretty that. soon, yeah. Mm-hmm. Just like the maple syrup. Exactly, running, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Okay. It's a spring thing. Okay. Thanks for calling, Thanks, Douglas. Nina. Don't be a stranger. Yep. Okay. <laughs> we, uh, we are uh, up to our uh, next break here, as a matter of fact, and I know that Lorraine is on the line from Cambridge, so we'll come back and have a chat with you very, very shortly here, Lorraine. You are listening to uh, Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto, The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. All righty, Charlie, let's uh, head out to Cambridge see what's going on there. Lorraine, good morning. Welcome. Hi. Um, I have, I've been here 33 years, so longer than that, a flowering crab apple. Um, three years ago, it, had, it was wonderful. It, Big, wide and, and thick and lots of blossoms. Mm. The next year, there was hardly anything. No, there was nothing. Oh. So I got it um, trimmed back, and last year was, you know, it was fairly good. Mm. Um, now this year I see longer uh, lateral, two branches that are dead. One was, was, was lateral crack, oh. and... Um, like I would say suckers, but they're on the top of the tree going straight up. Right. So it wasn't pruned properly, but carry on. Okay. So <laughs> uh, now I don't know what it's going to do this year, but so so it's the pruning. It I is. I never sprayed it. That's another thing. Yeah. And just similar to our last caller, Douglas, yes. who said he doesn't spray either. It's the dormant spray that's the one that can really make a difference just because it will help prevent any fungal diseases or insect infestations that can be a problem on any of the fruit trees. Remember fruit trees by virtue of producing fruit and all that sugar that is in that fruit, uh, is that's running up and down inside the entire plant. It's not just in the fruits. So you do have very tasty plants and they do tend to be quite attractive to insects and diseases for that reason. Um, okay. Crab apples, similar to the pears and, and regular apples and plums, are best pruned late winter, early spring and should be pruned properly for there, there's a very specific shape that we choose to prune. They, their natural form typically is a kind of a wide canopy, not very tall, um, and we want them as open as possible to get that, again, that air and sun penetrating. Um, this, the, yeah, you get those, they're called water spouts oh, okay. when they go straight up. 
and and those are non-flowering yes. uh, when they do that. So the and so those are typically removed, and and the pruning is done in such a way to avoid those, you know, encouraging those to grow. And anything dead obviously can be removed at any time. So the dead, the diseased, the damaged on any plant can be removed any time. Do they have a lifespan? Or I guess they yeah, do. Yeah, they do. Crab apples, you know, they don't last forever. You, the oldest one I've probably ever seen is maybe 40-ish years old. Okay. So they're not a super long-lived tree. You know, like a sugar maple is 150 years. A birch tree, eh, maybe 50 if you're lucky, mm-hmm. 35, more like it. And a, and a crab apple would be similar to a birch. All right, thanks very much. All right, thanks okay, so much Lorraine. for your call. Thank you. And uh, here on a sunny Saturday morning, we uh, welcome Eva in from Seaforth, Ontario. Hi, Eva. Good morning, dear ladies and gentlemen. Yes, good morning <laughs> to you. <laughs> I would like to ask you, I ran out of time last fall, and I didn't have a chance to fertilize. When do you want me to start fertilizing the grass? The lawn. Yeah, I did the same thing. Fall, <laughs> fall fertilizer is the most important of all the fertilizers for the lawn. And yeah. I can see it in my lawn now. As the snow has melted, yeah. my lawn is quite pale. It's not yeah, that bright yeah, green. Yeah, it is. It's like yellow. <laughs> yeah. And if we, if we had got the fall fertilizer on last fall, mm-hmm. our lawns would be greener right now. Yeah, so, yeah. So we blew it, but we won't do that again. No, um, not really. <laughs> so, you know what? You can get a spring fertilizer on the lawn just about any time. You could put it on today. If you want. Oh, really? Um, That's early? Well, because it's just going to sit there until uh, the conditions are right, until it's warm enough so that mm. the grass can actually use the, the fertilizer, uh, and we get some liquid rain onto the fertilizer, which will cause it to you know become soluble, mm-hmm. so the plants can actually right, access right. it. Oh, okay. Uh, but the only right. reason I wouldn't fertilize a lawn or or put out even grass seed right now on a lawn would be if it's quite a steep hill, because you're going to get that erosion. The rain will wash it down, so you'll mm. you'll end up with it moving off the lawn which you don't want so but assuming you got a level lawn you can put it out anytime actually it's a new lawn mm-hmm. uh, it was put in on last spring mm-hmm. and uh, i put extra soil on it because Good. but i it looked underneath it was like a clay or mm-hmm. you know not not nice right so i put in at least two yards of soil all mm-hmm. around the yard Good. And then I just, as I say, you know, I ran out of time. And then I thought, okay, what do we do now? <laughs> but that's if it's that new of a lawn, it'll be it'll be fine. Having missed that fall fertilizer, I wouldn't I wouldn't worry too much about it because it it came with with a certain amount of fertilizer in it. It's sod, I assume, right? Yeah, yeah, see, yeah. So the sod comes in beautiful and green. It's been well fertilized by the grower, and it's got that topsoil attached. And you put down fresh topsoil. So the fact that you missed fertilizing last fall, I wouldn't worry about it because it really needs to just get that good first start, get the roots out, do all that sort of important stuff. So, what are the numbers I have to put down in the fertilizers? Well, did when the when the new sod went down, did you use any kind of a starter fertilizer? Because there are no okay because there there are um, turf starter fertilizers that I think the number is like a seven twenty one seven something like that, where the middle number is higher. Mm-hmm. And again, it's to it's to encourage roots to grow so that the 
out of the, the existing new turf mm-hmm. down into your existing soil is what you're trying to make happen there. Right. But right. I wouldn't worry about that now. Now let's assume that's happened or it's happening. Uh, and then all you're going to do is look for a spring. And, you know, Scott's makes one that people love. It's called Turf Builder. Um, there is one that's got the crabgrass control in it, which is the corn gluten. That's the one I like to use. Yeah, yeah. it's a red bag. So yeah, that one and that one, if you're going to put that one down, get it, buy it as soon as you can, put it in the garage and make sure you use it prior to the forsythia being in full bloom. So the yellow forsythia shrubs, once they're in full bloom, that mm-hmm. crabgrass preventer will not work. So that your timing is up until that point to get that fertilizer down. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks for calling. Thanks, Bye Eva. Have a good day. Enjoy the, uh, in fact, enjoy the whole darn weekend. I know. It's look at be, the day, though. It's, it's gorgeous. It's, it's, a little on the chilly side, but okay. Well, All right. It looks uh, gorgeous. We have, to take a, <laughs> we have to take another break here, Charlie. But we will be uh, coming back to say hi to Marsha, calling in from Kleinberg, Ontario. So uh, that's coming up next here on The Garden Show from Zuma Radio. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, Charlie, as promised, let's uh, check into uh, what's happening in Kleinberg. There's Marcia. Good morning, Marcia. Good morning. Morning. Um, I have a jantar cedar that has been wrapped in burlap all winter. When would be the best time to take the burlap wrap off? Did you wrap it or somebody wrapped it for you? Somebody wrapped it for me. And is, was it wrapped to protect it from salt? No, I wrap it to protect it from burn. Okay, so get gets that um, wind or sun in the winter and yes. you're trying to av- uh, protect it from that. So it's in the ground, right? It's not in a pot? Correct. Wait until the ground is a little more thawed because the wrapping is still doing its job. We are like a day like today where the sun is beating down on our evergreens and our evergreens are still planted into frozen earth. They're losing liquid out of their leaves, but they're not able to absorb any liquid through their roots because the liquid is all frozen solid still. Right. So, so that'll be, now, we, if we get to the six degrees we're supposed to get to today and the eight or ten tomorrow, that's going to make a real difference. So you may find that by this time next weekend, it'll be time to take the wrap off, but I wouldn't rush it. Um, because we do have some below zero nights still coming and probably some sunny days still coming. And that, that so that protection is still required. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Excellent. Thanks for calling. Thank you. Thank you, Marsha. All righty. It's like roses, uh, right? Yeah. When people will often hill their roses. They'll mm-hmm. use just a loose topsoil or whatever and put that hill over the rose, mound it around the, over the crown of the roses in the fall. And then the question is, when do I take that all, all the way in the spring? And the answer is, you can start taking it away on nice days, but don't take it very far. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you may yeah. have to remound if we get, you know, snow. Last year we had a snowstorm in middle of April. Yeah, that's right. I have pictures on my phone. It was not pretty. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, it's it's okay to recognize that those protections can slowly come away, but keep them handy in case you need to reprotect. This has been one tough winter. I yeah. mean, as far as uh, cold and snow and ice and oh, my gosh. I know. I, like, I, I, 
I normally barbecue all the time, mm-hmm. year round, multi times a week. Yep. But I went for a period there in January, February, where I don't think I barbecued once. And you know why? Because my back patio was a skating rink. Yeah, that's it right. It was solid <laughs> ice. You step out there and whoosh, Yeah, I was like, you know I am not risking in. my life. Yeah. And yeah. it was, it wasn't until we finally got some warm weather, like yeah. in the last week, that I now have a patio back. But it has been solid ice up until then. Yeah. So exactly. I went back out and started barbecuing again. <laughs> but yeah, no, you're right. I've never had that happen where it just, you know, it was that thick and it was that sort of permanent for so long. So we had really prolonged cold, which from a garden's perspective is a good thing. We don't like it when it blips up and down. You, you know, want warm, it static. Warm. Yeah, let's go yeah. dormant and stay dormant. Let's not go dormant and then have some hot weather and then get cold again. That and was then, last year, I think. Yeah, ups and downs up, and ups yeah. and downs. And that is hard on the plants because right. they're like, what, what's going on? You know, they're starting to grow. You know, even our bulbs yeah, are, yeah. you know, poised, ready for some warm weather to, to get growing. Uh, and then people worry because they start to pop up and then the snow starts falling, which is what happened last year. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my. <laughs> anyway, I'll be so darn glad. And now now it comes to mind. When do I get them to take my snow tires off? My question, too, because I have snow tires for the first time in 25 well, years. you know, the guys to ask are right I was going to say the they're room. right there. Yeah. Uh, you Dave's know, Corner Garage. Behind the mic. Behind, uh, Glenn Allen. I always take my, uh, my car for servicing at Glenn Allen Motors. Yes. And they put on and take off the tires so they'll know. Because Alan Gelman and his brother oh, are yeah. the best. You, you got it. And not to mention yeah. Dave Redinger. He's also pretty good. But, uh, but yeah, when pretty it comes... Yeah, well, yeah, I know. <laughs> I said you were pretty smart earlier, and you didn't like that either. You know, pretty is a nice word. <laughs> well. Um, bottom line is, yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. So let me know when you know okay. when to take snow well, tires off. Well, my car is actually due for servicing about 1,000 kilometers. Oh, Mine's I, I due can, now. I can run it till then. Oh, so <clears> I'm my pretty problem, sure. Could I think? I mean, mine's due now. My oil is. My oh, is oil it? light is blinking at me, saying, "Oh, oh. change no, no, me, change me, change yeah. me." Mm. So I, I think you're getting a shame on you from the guys next door here. <laughs> maybe, I'm telling you, maybe. Well, Charlie, hey, we've had some really interesting questions. Good uh, this calls, morning, for sure. Keep them coming, and I hope that uh, the folks out there will be tuning in tomorrow evening from seven through till. Uh, let's see. Yeah. But, <laughs> Uh, to 10, 11. 11? Uh, no, wow. yeah, four hours of really? big band Sunday music. Oh, I didn't know yeah. it's such a long show. That is it a, is. That's, a, that's quite it, a shift for you. It is. And mm. I'm looking forward to that. And, of course, Theater of the Mind, which uh, comes which up is, Monday to Friday. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. And then you're on again this afternoon. Uh, yes. Yeah, it's one all o'clock. about Frank. This is I the Frank know. station. <laughs> so, <laughs> and you're on at what, one thirty today? 1 o'clock. 1 o'clock. 1 with, to 3.30. With yep. what's hot in the city or something. You, live in the city. Live in the city. <laughs> Way to go there. My, you, you're almost I'm, accurate. I'm only pretty you, smart. <laughs> 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 Have a good day, Charlie. Thank you. Thank okay. you. And, and just one more plug for the GoFundMe page on behalf of my feral cat, Mr. Kitty, M-I-S-T-E-R Kitty. Uh, he really needs his teeth looked after. And if anybody can spare a quarter, it would make a huge difference. Okay. Thanks a bunch, Frank. Thanks a lot, Sebastian. Couldn't do it without you. And great callers. So looking forward to more great calls next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.